You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. There was once a dream, you could only whisper it. Anything more than a whisper, and it would vanish. A battle between good and evil. You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer. You know of the rebellion against the Empire? The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm going to have a stick of my own. I'm Groot. Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can fly. All it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the star-spangled man with a plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland! Take your pixies out of your pockets, Neverlanders, and fly away with me to Neverland with your happiest thought, of course. You have to have that first. I got this all in the wrong order, but you know how this works. But I, of course, am your spider pan, Jeremy. I'm ready to lead the way into Neverland. And as it's usually a good rule of thumb to not fly to Neverland alone, we brought our buddy with us. He's going to have his own music play here when the thing behaves. Eric Warren. Eric, 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 Eric Warren. Eric Warren. There we go. <laughs> well, so, aside from a few technical difficulties, I'm probably going to hit that later. <laughs> so, stuff you didn't hear was me having problems after Eric's theme music because I can't bring you that theme music. So, hi, Eric. Hey there. Oh, wow. We've got all sorts of music going on here today. How is it going? Oh, it is going pretty good, aside from technical errors. Where I'm, I'm trying to, of course, uh, do things a little bit more live, and as we go, it saves a little time of editing later, except for when things go wrong. I need to find a better hey. soundboard than just using Windows Media Player, I think. <laughs> hey, but that's the fun of experimentation. Right, the fun of experimentation, and I'm trying to get better at doing this and make it more a live radio feel, I suppose, and save me a lot of time on coming back and adding music later, but either way, enough about the technical stuff. We got fun stuff to do today. Yes, we do. We do, and we are glad to have you along with us. Yes, we have a holiday coming. The yes, 4th of July, yes. Independence Day, or at least here in the States, all of you in, uh, in foreign markets, um, well, enjoy it anyway, right? Because we're going to have well, fun. and <laughs> they, they do have 4th of July, they just don't celebrate it. Right, they just don't have Independence Day. But here in the States, we have an in- Independence Day, and you know what? We have a fun little connection that I'm going to dive into because we've been having some fun with doing some uh, retro style, looking back at some old attractions and things like that. And building our own version of Disneyland here in Neverland, and or a Disney park, because we can pull from anywhere. But, did you know that Main Street USA is always the 4th of July in Disneyland? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's why there's a parade every day, there's red, white, and blue. Well, except for when it's Halloween or Christmas, then they kind of change it up a little bit. But it's supposed to be a 4th of July celebration every day. Exactly. Now, I don't know if uh, Walt particularly loved celebrating the 4th of July back in Marceline, or just because he was a heck of a patriotic kind of dude, 
But, you know, it's a great idea. But that gives us the excuse to talk all about Main Street USA today. Oh, definitely. You know, part of the theming for Main Street, you know, you got to have a reason for people to be coming into town to enjoy the festivities. And what better way to uh, set that in a story than to make that day the 4th of July? Yeah, it gives you the excuse also to shoot off fireworks every night. Exactly. So there's so much stuff going on with that. But before we dive into it, of course, and now it's actually time for this button to work. Uh, we got some news to talk about. Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Okay, uh, I, I tell you what, there was more stuff going on this week than I really realized was going to be happening. It's, it's been busy. <laughs> it's been actually quite busy. And we even have some new stuff happening in the parks. Now, uh, this isn't really a surprise. But Disney has officially released a statement that Donald Trump will be added to the Hall of Presidents as a speaking character. But they've been doing that since, I believe, I read, uh, like, 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, for quite some time. It's not a surprise. But this is suddenly now controversial because there's people who don't like him. Well, guess what? Every president has people who didn't like him and didn't vote for the guy. Get over it. Who cares? It's... You know, it's just part of history. But I've seen people be like, oh, trying to make a controversy. It's not controversy. It's just Disney doing what it always does. They're going to write something for him. He's going to say it. It'll be in there. Go if you want to. Don't go if you don't want to. That's fine. It doesn't matter. I'm not a big fan of the guy myself, but he's the president. I respect the office. I was able to enjoy the show the first time I saw it. it had Barack Obama. I wasn't really a big fan of him either. But the speech he had was really good, and it actually was pretty cool seeing these replicas of all these presidents, including Barack Obama. Because, like I said, you respect the office, even if you don't agree with the guy that's in it, right? That's right. And, you know, the great thing about the Hall of Presidents is that it's not so much about who the current president is. It's about the story of America, the story of how we came to be, who we are and who we're going to be. It's not about who's sitting in the office at that present moment. Yeah. And I, I love the current thing in there with Morgan Freeman because it really goes and shows how the, the the presidency, as far as the office, really what that means to us as the people. Uh, I, uh, mm-hmm. it's a, oh, it's a great, great film strip that's in there right now. I figure there might be a whole new show coming in with this because, you know, they brought in the new show with Morgan Freeman when they brought in the Barack Obama uh, figure. So when the, the Donald Trump one gets done here later this year, there might be a whole new show which with some of the same elements. But I really love that it highlighted through all these different presidents and how they met us, you know, in the nation of what's going on in the nation and how they led us into those times and clips from different speeches from even George W. and from Bill Clinton and stuff when when tragedies happen. Uh, Such great stuff. And so you gotta just love what goes on in there. And if you you love this country, you can sit through that and enjoy it for what it is. 
And, and it's not that they're just adding a new animatronic of uh, President Trump, but they're also making some improvements as well. They're upgrading the theater with a new sound system. Very They've got cool. lighting and high-definition projection in there now. And there's a, a multi-screen viewing experience that's been used in prior uh, versions of the attraction, mm -hmm. but it's going to be coming back with an even wider vantage point of our country's history. Oh, so wow. certainly it's not just a new president. They're making all sorts of changes there and just making the show bigger, better and you know, hopefully a bit more you know welcoming to everybody yeah and i think it'll be exciting because i mean uh it's got like a big three screens right now we're down at walt disney world and there's so much going on and so much to look at as you know the the story of america is being told and then of course they pay special attention to abraham lincoln which was walt mm -hmm. disney's favorite president and before they unveil that fantastic animatronic who comes out and speaks uh, but they oh they set up the story of the Civil War and everything oh it's a great program and to go even bigger screens oh, I'm excited I want to get down and check it out <laughs> yeah it's definitely something that uh, you'll want to see and check out regardless of your views of whoever's sitting in the office at the moment right because it's not about your views and leave your views at the door when you walk in Disney Park and just have fun people come on it's exactly. Disney. Exactly. So, yeah, don't worry about your carriage of the world. You just get her and let it go. Let it go. Don't hold it back anymore. Okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, this was new on the D23 front. You know, we've just learned that there's going to be some exclusive hats that are going to be sold at D23. You know, the first one uh, that they've advertised, it's very similar to the 50th anniversary mouse ears that Disneyland had a little over a decade ago uh, with a blue hat and silver ears. Uh, one thing that's different on this one, though, is, you know, I'm sorry, I said a decade ago. That was the golden ears. I'm talking about two years ago yeah, the uh, 60th, for the 60th yeah. anniversary. Oh, golly, I'm, my brain's getting getting addled in my old age here. <laughs> uh, one, a couple things that are different is that instead of the um, 50th logo that was on, or the 60th logo of Mickey that was on the uh, 60th anniversary hats, this has actually got a, a Mickey on the front. And on the very back, it's going to say D23 Expo 2017 with mouse ears in the O of the Expo. Yeah, and it's, it looks like it's a stitched Mickey Mouse, too, so it's like good yeah. embroidery. Oh, I want one. But uh, <laughs> apparently this Dream Store, I was asking Tim Nidell, which, by the way, the Mighty Marvel Tooncast that Tim and I do together, we are going to, we are planning at least to record this weekend, so there will be some new episodes coming, which you've probably noticed, have, I've been sending them through the Neverland podcast feed. They also have their own feed you can do on iTunes, send us a review over there, start listening. If you love Marvel cartoons, it'll be great. But uh, Tim is going to D23. And I asked him to go and grab me one of these hats. And he says, there's usually such a line at the Dream Store that it's difficult to get in. And so he usually doesn't even try. So, But I want one. And it would be cool even. Uh, did you see the, the Minnie Mouse hats? Well, I guess they're more of a, a headpiece more than a yes, hat. Yes, I, I saw the headbands. And in fact, this is part of a larger ongoing product. Uh, where That they're calling the inner, uh, Interchangeable Bow Collection. How cool is uh, this? Well, certainly with uh, D23, it's a pair of, it's a headband with Mickey ears and a bow on it. In this case, it's a black bow with silver uh, polka dots on it. It kind of looks like uh, the old original black and white Minnie Mouse. 
Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, and they're they're going to have a whole collection available at the parks of these different bows, but this one's exclusive to D23. Yeah, and oh my goodness, they have they're based off characters like Cruella de Vil bows and all kinds of stuff. I see Aurora and Maleficent, Little Mermaid, uh, the uh, carpet from Aladdin, even the Queen of Hearts. You know, which would be cool, you know, if you get those Minnie Mouse ears and then you go over to when Minnie Mouse is giving her star on the Walk of Fame. This would be appropriate. Yeah, yeah. It would be pretty awesome. So, hey, if somebody, if you manage to get these ears and you get to the Walk of Fame during that time, or at least get a picture next to the star, take a selfie with it, send it to us, I'd be happy to it. It'd be kind of cool. I'd love to see it. So somebody do that for me, would you? Now, that's not those. Those are the only uh, headwear offerings that are coming out for D23. There's more. There is a third option. It's a limited edition, genuine leather hat celebrating the 50th anniversary of one of the Disney Park's greatest attractions. Did you see what this was? Yes. Pirates of the Caribbean. That was my really bad pirate accent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's a leather hat. It's got a symbol of the Pirates of the Caribbean uh, kind of off-centered on the front of it, but it's also going to come in a decorative treasure box. Um, it's actually a medallion that's on the hat, uh, but they're planning on keeping this to a limit of 230. So you better get in there quick. and that's, It's just going to make that line over at D23. It's just going to be hectic. Oh, yeah. But well, it I'm may sure totally was... be worth it. Oh, yeah. But uh, this is just the the surface of what they're going to be offering merchandise wise at D twenty three. You know, as we still got another month uh, month and a half or so to go here to you know the convention actually happening, I'm sure we're going to see a lot more come out. I think it's what is it like? Isn't it mid July? Like July twelfth? No, this starts. You know, I oh sure, make me think here. <laughs> I thought it was on that website we were looking at, but yeah, I think it's coming up actually in just a couple of weeks. Yeah, coming up real soon. Yeah, all I know is there's no way I'm going to get out to it. I ain't got the, <laughs> the money to do it. <laughs> I will one day. Well, that, that's two of us. Yeah, I'm going to get there. Oh, actually, it's July 14th through the 16th. Yep, I see. Knew it was coming. Knew it was coming. So <laughs> if you happen to go, let us know what you thought about it. Send us a little review or a trip report about going to D23. Uh, and we would love to hear about your experience there. That'll be fun. So, oh, Golly, this is this is this is big though. Although I really wanted to get the NES Classic, I didn't manage to get one, and I heard that they quit making the things. Yes, I am. Well, uh, I was going to use stronger language, but I majorly bummed out that I could not get my hands on one. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. If something is selling well, you keep making it. Mm -hmm. Duh. But I guess they were just in a hurry to pull it back. Maybe they'll put it back on the market at the same time. But we have announced from Nintendo, and maybe you've heard about this, but there is a Super Nintendo Classic being released. Going to retail at $79.99, coming out this September, uh, September 29th, right, of course, in time for Christmas. And, oh, my gosh, the game lineup. Of course, now, some of these I have actually on my my Wii that I have, and uh, I've got a special controller to play Super Nintendo games. But Super Mario World? Yes. Super Mario Kart. I'm loving that. Where it all began. Yes. The Legend of Zelda, A Link to the Past, still... Well, I don't know if it's my top favorite anymore. After Twilight Princess, I really loved that one. That was so cinematic of Zelda games. But Link to the Past is definitely one of my tops. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, F-Zero, which I think I played a little bit. I know it's a, it was a big deal when it came out as a racing game. They were really excited. Super mm-hmm. Metroid, still the best Metroid game ever, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Street oh, Fighter 2 Turbo. My goodness, I played the dickens out of that thing on a Super Nintendo with a friend of mine. My thumb still hurt. <laughs> well, you never got to play against me, so you'd have other parts hurting. <laughs> anyway, uh, I was actually our neighborhood champ and playing with Ryu. We'd have uh, me and my friends around the neighborhood. We'd have little tournaments, and uh, I, I usually would win. Of course, I'm the one who had a copy of the game, and so I was playing it all the time. The same character, I was getting good. Um, wasn't always that good in the arcade though, because I'm so used to thumbs that when I played an arcade, I couldn't adapt it well. Uh, but anyway, Super Punch Out, which I never played Super Punch Out, but I figure it plays similar to Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Mm-hmm. Castlevania 4, which I don't believe I have played. Uh, still the greatest one of the Castlevania games is going to be that PlayStation 1, um, Symphony of the Night. <gasps> Love mm-hmm. it. Donkey Kong Country, which I never played, but I know people are just crazy about the Donkey Kong Country games. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that one. Insanely difficult, I hear. Yes. Mega <laughs> Man collecting. X. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, the next generation of Mega Man. Yes, indeed. Which I played a little bit of that one. I had a hard time getting into Mega Man games because they're very, very difficult, and I just didn't have the patience for them. Because mm-hmm. uh, by the time you got to the boss, you were half dead, and the boss would be near impossible to hit and not die instantly. Uh, now Kirby Superstar, eight games in one, it says. I'm I'm not sure exactly what this is. This might be something that's was specifically done for this, because maybe so they could pack all the old Kirby games into something. I'm not sure what this is. It could be. I, I really don't know. I've never uh, played a Kirby game, but Heather has, and Heather loves Kirby games. Oh, I I, I got addicted to Kirby when I was, uh, you know, at the you know at the time. I loved those games, maybe because they were so easy for me, <laughs> <laughs> as opposed to Mega Man. Final Fantasy 3, which I believe in Japan would have actually been like Final Fantasy 5 or something like that. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Which I may have played this one a little bit, but I've never completed a Final Fantasy game. I just don't have that kind of patience. I don't I don't like, you know, hitting a button that says, okay, make my character attack now, and then I have to wait. And I don't, I, I can't get into that. Uh, Kirby's Dream Course. Don't know what this is either, but it, it makes me think it might be a racing game, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then Star Fox! Yes! Love it. Oh and my not, goodness. And not just Star Fox. Never before released Star Fox 2! Yes! Because Star Fox, the first one, wasn't difficult enough. Although I did manage to complete Star Fox. I played the dickens out of that thing until I finally beat it. So having a new challenge in Star Fox 2, awesome. Which I guess there's a Star Fox. Yes, there is some other Star Fox games, I guess, on some other Nintendo systems that I've never played, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, Then Yoshi's Island. I remember renting that, playing that a little bit. You got Baby Mario in there. It was Mm kind of fun, but I don't think it was as fun as, like, Super Mario uh, World was. Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. Never got to play this one. Heard it was fun. Oh, yeah, it it is a great game. It's uh, another Square game, uh, like the Final Fantasy series, but uh, it incorporates everything that's Mario's world, and then some. It's a really good RPG. All right, and then Contra 3, The Alien Wars, which I've only gotten to play a little bit. I I, I love the first two Contra games, beat them both. Mm -hmm. Contra 3, though, I I know it's a little bit more difficult, and add some different elements of play, of course. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to sit down on that one. Secret of Mana, a great, great Squaresoft game. Takes a while to get used to the the control, because it's... 
almost plays like a Legend of Zelda game, but you have to time your, your sword swings to hit and then wait for the whatever your enemy was to kind of stand back up to come back at you before you can hit it again, so you have to time it out. The mm-hmm. music was fantastic, like you'd expect from a Squaresoft game. And I believe there's a sequel, though, but they called it uh, Illusion of Gaia, I think, was the sequel to Secret of Mana. Ah, that sounds familiar. Mm-hmm. I, I, I never finished Secret of Mana. It's a very long game, and I had borrowed it from somebody and didn't get a chance to finish. Earthbound. I have no idea what this is. Do you? Uh, I think it's another RPG-type game, but I, I don't know much about it, but I know it was a very popular game at the time. And then Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Oh, yes. Which I think is basically <laughs> just Ghouls and Ghosts with better graphics. Yes. Which is another harder-than-heck kind of game that I never actually got into. Because <laughs> it's hard, <laughs> but it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, some great titles on it. I'd love to see more, but uh, hey, we'll take what we can get. Yes, I'm hoping this is just the beginning. Of course, a lot of these games, like I mentioned, uh, they are available on the Wii, and I'm sure, I, you know, I've only got as far as the Wii. I'm sure the Switch, you know, they probably have ways for you to play these old games that you can mm-hmm. purchase them and download them digitally. Because, uh, you know, and people still love these things. So, mm-hmm. But well, I hope you, they put you... out the classic one also. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if they've gone from NES to Super NES, maybe next Christmas we can look forward to a uh, Nintendo 64 version. Maybe we can. And if only they had uh, wireless uh, GoldenEye play on it. Oh, heck yes. <laughs> I would be all over that like stink on glue, because glue's kind of stinky, too. Because I didn't want to <laughs> see stink on something else, because this is a family show. Just don't be <laughs> odd job with the golden gun. There you go. <laughs> and there was right, well, even some fun cheats for GoldenEye that would be fun to get out and with again. But yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, I've got a story. Yeah, and this I thought was kind of odd. I had to research it when you told me about this. Yeah, well, uh, Tom Holland has been, you know, certainly talking more and more about Spider-Man Homecoming. And one of the things that he revealed this week, in fact, he had just had a meeting with uh, Marvel producer Kevin Feige about it. If you'll remember back in Iron Man, uh, actually, I think it was Iron Man 2 rather than Iron Man 3. Yeah, it was Iron Man 2. Let's get back in the Wayback Machine. Yeah. (laughs) You'll recall at at the end... And I hope I'm not spoiling this for anybody, but, uh, you know, Iron Man and uh, War Machine uh, have to end up fighting against a bunch of, uh, well, robots that have been created by Whiplash. Drones. (laughs) Yes. And he has set these drones to start attacking anybody and everybody Mm -hmm. at the uh, Stark Expo. Well, there is a young boy wearing an Iron Man mask that confronts one of these drones, and he puts up his gloved hand as if he's going to shoot this drone uh, as the drone's getting ready to really definitely kill this kid. Well, Iron Man swoops in at the last moment, shoots the drone, saves the kid, and goes on to continue fighting these drones. Yeah, well, and he Tom says Holland, something to the kid. I can't remember what he says. He says I think I, I might be getting a mix up with Amazing Spider-Man 2, where, where Spidey actually does say to the kid who dresses as Spidey, he's like, wow, you're a brave little boy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know Iron Man, he does say something to the kid, but uh, I don't remember what he says. But anyways. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. We've got a connection between Iron Man and this kid, who Tom Holland revealed was a very young Peter Parker. Which now, see, I wonder, when they were making Iron Man 2 and they had that kid, did they intend for that to be Peter Parker? Or is this something that they've thought of now? Like, hey, wouldn't that be cool? And maybe they put it into the new film as a connection. 
just because well, it, was, hey, it seems like a good idea. Yeah, well, what are comics without a retcon? Exactly! <laughs> but it seems like a really good idea. So I hope in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, this comes up and gets mentioned. You know? It'd be nice. It'd be nice. I haven't heard anything about it actually being connected in the movie, but to know that as far as the producers are concerned, this is a canon. Hey, that's good for me. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it and run with it. Speaking of movies, and I, I haven't got a whole lot to say about this, but because it's now connected to a Disney park, and we've heard forever that this was going to happen, and it's been like, yeah, right, whenever, but... And I've never seen the original Avatar. My wife, you know, Heather, has said that she has watched it. She wasn't that impressed with it. Uh, she, it looks cool, but it wasn't that much for story, which is pretty much what I hear from everybody, except for a few people that really loved Avatar. But producer John Landau says that four Avatar sequels begin production September 25th, which I any time that you make a bunch of movies all in one go and you're just trying to go consecutively, generally the quality starts to go down with one exception, Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I could I could name off some other ones, like, oh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2 and 3, for example, you know. Yeah, trying to... Uh, the Matrix trilogy 2 and 3 were made back-to-back run one after that just kept going and filled it all at once. Somehow or another, I guess fatigue or something sets in, it just doesn't turn out. And they're going to try to take four, and apparently they're going to begin production on all four of them in one go. And do anybody really want four more Avatar movies besides John Panda? Because I know he's super well, excited. But yeah, Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this. When John Rolfe takes one of the Na'vi back to England to meet the king in the... Oh, wait, no, that's <laughs> the plot of the comics, too. Uh... Or, or when they go back and they, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I can't remember Dances with Wolves enough to connect it, but I know it was pretty much Dances with Wolves with giant blue Smurfs. So, yeah, just yeah. as much as it was Pocahontas with giant blue Smurfs. Yes, very much so. So, And even the names, oh, I, I could go on about this of how it's an originality, uh, because the, the place is called Pandora. This is the name of a planet. Who gave it the planet the name? The humans or did the people who live there call it Pandora? Because, that? you know, Pandora's box, I mean, you just borrowed. Navi, yeah, isn't that the name of Link's fairy in uh, The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? There's oh, and, nothing... And you're missing the most obvious one. The the element that they've gone there to collect is unobtainium. Oh, my goodness. I mean, George Lucas shows everybody how it's done to come up with names for different things and new and original things. Uh, uh, well, George Lucas also has a lot to... Uh, 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 draws an awful lot from John Carter of Mars and well, yeah. uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs. So. He was influenced by things, but at least he comes up with original names. No one had heard the word Jedi before, right? So at least he came up with some original things. But read John Carter or Mars. <laughs> oh well, I've, I've seen the movie, but I haven't, I haven't read the books. But what is the word Jedi actually in there somewhere? Uh, Jedi. Ah, wow. Well, okay, and we know he did borrow also from uh, some of the um, Flash the films, Gordon and uh, uh, well, like Seven Serial. Samurai and stuff like that. Oh yeah, uh, and some of the films by that same director. Uh, but, but you know what? E- everything's a remix anymore. So yeah. you know, we we look for inspiration in different areas. Um, you know, hopefully we'll find some inspiration in these four Avatar sequels. Yeah. And at if least, not, at least, at least George came up with different names for different races, and all the planets had different names that we'd never heard of before. And at least the That's planets all have more than one species, or at least. <laughs> oh 
don't usually, although all the plants seem to only have one environment most of the time. <laughs> but they have a name that you haven't heard in some sort of mythology. So, you know, I'm probably not going to ever watch an Avatar film. But we're going to talk about it just because it's part of the park. This is Gary Gnu, and no Gnu's is good Gnu's show. The only TV Gnu's program guaranteed to contain no Gnu's whatsoever. Neverland news from the Disney parks. All right, so big news that is now shaking up everything. Uh, everybody started panicking as soon as we saw this, but the Pirates of the Caribbean, starting with Paris and then working its way here to the States in our two parks, they're going to change the auction scene. And uh, no, we're no longer no, no longer auctioning brides, but we're going to auction off food, and I've heard the word chickens, and the, uh, the redhead's going to become a pirate. Uh, people are saying this is politically correct, uh, kind of like uh, when the pirates stopped chasing the women and the women started chasing the pirates who were stealing food. Um, why in the world are they doing this? Well, because historically we know that pirates, once they stole things, auctioned them off to each other, right? Sure, because they didn't just steal it and take it. Exactly. <sighs> yeah, this, this, this is kind of a... There are two sides to it. Uh, slavery as certainly a, a great concern still in many parts of the world mm-hmm. uh, and but this is also coming with a very significant change to what this attraction has always been you know it hasn't celebrated it's mocking it's making fun of uh, yeah. the type of lifestyle that pirates live they were very well aware of that Walt was very well aware of it as it was being built he was looking for the humor in this situation yeah uh, it was a and, sense of whimsy and, you know, over bad people. Let's face it. Pirates were bad people, but the modern Disney wants to, you know, we've got a film franchise built off being pirates as heroes. You've got a cartoon, Jake and the Neverland Pirates, that are, oh, we're all kids and we're pirates and we're happy pirates. Oh, but Captain Hook is still a villain. And it just doesn't mm-hmm. make sense. Well, and, and you know, the way that the ride was set up, at least as it was at Disneyland, you begin by learning the tales that these dead men have to tell. True dead men tell no tales, but... Mm-hmm. When you go down the first waterfall at Disneyland, you're seeing the results of all of their actions. You yes. see uh, pirates on an island who have stabbed and killed each other over their treasure. You're seeing pirates who have died laying in a bed, grasping and looking at their treasure. The, the punishments are for the debauchery that you're about to see are already set. They're already known. And, of course, it all ends, the ride all ends going through a fire and destroying this town that they've been ransacking and pillaging. The consequences are already clear. So, you know, again, it's just kind of confusing why they want to alter and change the story that they've been telling at this point. Yeah, because we want to have happy pirates when, you know, the original ride seems like, you know, there's that sense of whimsy, but that also sense of scary and spooky. Oh, the pirate's curse. And you find out the pirate's curse is really the pirate's own greed. Exactly. <laughs> their own behavior. It's the curse. That's the pirates. Uh, but it's, it's already started, I think, going bad when they put a little too much Jack Sparrow in there and altered the ride to more of its uh, based more off the movies than a movie that was based around some concepts in a ride. And mm-hmm. you know, a little well, bit and, of Jack Sparrow he, goes a long way. They didn't need to change the entire ride over it. Well, Jack Sparrow was not the first to volley in this attack against Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, as we had mentioned, you know, many many years ago, they went and they took out pirates chasing women to replace that with pirates chasing women carrying food. Um, you know, there 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 have been some fundamental changes made over the years. So you know, this 
I can see this being the end result of those changes that took place. But you know what? It's a ride. The consequences for their actions are well known. It's just very sad to see that they need to make these changes. Yeah, for I don't know what what's their reason. Everybody's kind of calling it political correctness. Maybe this is also just a trend of we like strong females, and so this creates the uh, redhead as a strong female because now she's a pirate. When in actual piracy, a woman on a boat was considered a bad luck, and the only female pirates that we have recorded were two sisters that disguised themselves as men so they would not get caught until, unfortunately, one of them got pregnant and it became a problem. But let's go ahead and just change, you know, history because we're not, you know, we're in a Disney park, so who cares, right? <laughs> Uh, we don't want anyone to be uncomfortable, right? Sure. You know, we want to teach, oh, the pirates were wonderful people. Uh, no, they weren't. They were bad people. Now we're we're no longer supposed to laugh at them. Now we're supposed to celebrate and uh, wish we were one or something? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what the message of the ride is anymore. <sighs> no, no. Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. Get him, Mama. Get that gator. The Neverland Trailer Park. As speaking of Star Wars, as you were about to say, we've got a little look at Star Wars Forces of Destiny. And uh, let's take a listen. BB-8, hang on. Turns out you're quite a popular droid. How did I find you? I'm just lucky, I guess. I suggest you pick on someone your own size. The data tape of Imperial base locations. Thank you, Senator. I mean, Princess. I mean, Leia. Stormtroopers. The choices we make. The actions we take. Shape us into forces of destiny. So July 3rd on YouTube, July 9th on Disney Channel. These are going to be two to three minutes long. Star Wars Forces of Destiny is going to focus on some of the female heroic characters from the Star Wars universe. Some that we're familiar with from previous incarnations in the Clone Wars or the prequel films or the original trilogy. We even have Sabine from Star Wars Rebels. And, of course, from the new trilogy, we get to see some adventures of Rey, which they're fitting this all around the the stories we know and making it all to be canon which is actually pretty darn cool. Yeah, I'm really excited to see what ways they expand canon with these uh with these short episodes. You know, certainly the uh Genity uh Tartakovsky Clone Wars series from the early 2000s uh, did a lot to help fill in what was going on in Clone Wars, and I know that that's not canon anymore. Yeah, but uh, certainly, well, to it me, it's still see... canon. It, it, I think it still fits, although Grievous is a little different uh, because yeah. they they only had a, a look of what Grievous looked like, but they didn't know what he was going to be like when he fought, and so they made him a lot more tougher than he appeared in the movie. I was disappointed mm-hmm. in Grievous in the movie after I saw the Danny Tarkovsky oh. and. And and certainly we 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 it impacted uh, canon going forward. We got Asajj Ventress out of that series. Yeah, uh, 
So certainly a lot of good things. But, you know, this is it's canon, you know, right from page one and going forward. So it is going to be interesting to see how these characters interact. I mean, Sabine with Leia, that is, you know, that blows my mind. And at least it lets me know that we've got at least one more of our rebels uh, lasting beyond uh, the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, because I, I didn't see anything on Hera yet. And, you know, we've got season four. Who knows what else is going to happen in season four? Still coming. Well, we, we already know that Hera is with the Rebellion right. as Rogue of One. Uh, Rogue One. Right. So, But I want to see know. a cartoon with Hera. But mm-hmm. speaking of Hera and Sabine, wow, look, quality animation done with computers. And then we get this? Yeah, the, the, the look of this is a little disappointing, I'll, I'll admit. Mm-hmm. This is uh, looks to be a flash animated program that is not fully utilizing the benefits that flash provides uh the characters are static um their eyes are are really not moving um you know they're they they're not it's very limited animation i mean i i have seen people do flash animation decades ago that looked better than this and this is disney disney you expect quality in the animation and between mm-hmm. this and what I'm seeing of the new Spider-Man, which, by the way, there you can see uh, they've got some webisodes uh, for the new Spider-Man series. I'm not really impressed with the animation at all. I'm really disappointed because it's like they're slumming. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of it just ha- may have to do with the budgets that these filmmakers are being given to, to create these. Which it's you know, Disney. Don't they have the budget to make quality? Disney has the budget to do pretty much anything that they want to do, but they also look at the bottom line very closely. And, you know, when it's an animated series for YouTube, they're not going to go to the same extent as they will for an animated feature. But they do plan to show it on the Disney Channel, so you'd think they did it with a little something. I mean, especially with Spider-Man, that is going to be an XD series. They need to step up. Uh, Disney Channel, the same Disney Channel that shows Future Worm. <laughs> there and you I go. My case. <laughs> yeah, and and they wonder why. Maybe maybe it's just because I, I guess kids are still watching this, but I don't think kids have gotten exposed to the quality of animation that we're accustomed to. Well, you know, again, we've got Rebels, which all three of my kids are thoroughly yeah. uh, steeped in. They and that's quality animation. That, that show, good. and I'm doing my best to get them to watch the Clone Wars as well. You know, mm. again, this is another. Uh, way to get more Star Wars lore out there to make some more connections between our characters and our stories. And, you know, the animation may be poor, but if the stories are good, that makes up for the way it's being presented. Yeah, at least for the most part. But I'm always going to have that part of me going, ugh. Sort of like that that Tron series. The the animation was a little choppy. uh, So I had a hard time getting into it at first. I I still haven't watched the entire series. It's, It's all gone from Netflix and whatnot. But and the story you know, was good, but the animation on that was really bad, and Heather couldn't even stand to watch it. You know, I uh, just got Hulu and discovered that it's available there, so maybe I'll be able to give a report one of these days. Yeah, because I, I think I've seen half of it. I might still have it on my DVR, but uh, yeah, the animation I thought was poor on that one. You know, it's just when you're used to the quality hand-drawn stuff that from the Disney afternoon back when we were there, you know, to, we've seen what Disney television animation is capable of. To mm-hmm. see this now, I'm so disappointed. But I want to watch it because it's Star Wars and this looks cool. And it's Spider-Man and that's great. But oh, I'm, it just – I look at it and I'm like, oh, I know you can do better. I know you can. This is Disney. So, yeah, Walt would probably be throwing a fit if he saw this, you know. 
<laughs> Walt, Walt, uh, Walt would be doing a lot of things, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. But uh, I think we are. Are we ready to go on to Smap Your Things? Yes, we are. It is we are. time. So let's kick up our fun right here. To Disney and beyond. Ah! It's time to go to Main Street. This is the song I wanted. Main Street. Meet me tonight on Main Street. Yeah, working with a playlist isn't always the greatest way, but, you know, (laughs) we learn as we go. But yes, Main Street, USA. You gotta love that, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, there's a very important and a very good reason that Main Street is the first thing that you experience when you enter in any of the Magic Kingdom type parks. In fact, it's not just Main Street in Disneyland or Disney World, but it also has influenced Galena Vista Street over at California Adventure and the uh, Streets of the World at uh, Disney's uh, uh, Hollywood Studios in Florida as well. There's something about this iconic uh, piece and slice of American history at the turn of the 20th century. And there's a great Walt Disney quote that I found. It says, For those of us who remember the carefree time it recreates, Main Street will bring back happy memories. For younger visitors, it is an adventure in turning back the calendar to the days of their grandfather's youth. Of course, now your grandfather was probably not going to have been around in the 1930s when this is based around. But <laughs> your great-grandfather, maybe. Well, if you, perhaps. If he's still with you, hopefully he is. Well, and Walt speaks from experience. You know, it's well known that Main Street was created to evoke the same feelings that he had for his hometown of Marceline. Yes. I know you've been to a time or two. Many times. Uh, I was, although Heather kind of says no, uh, I was hoping to actually go up for the 4th of July this year to see, you know, the decorations. And they have a, a carnival there. They shoot fireworks about 11 o'clock. There's events actually that started to even today when we're, 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 we're recording this on Wednesday. And the, there's events running for a week over there in Marceline. So if you get a chance to go and check it out this week, go ahead. Uh, but uh, Heather says it's probably not in the cards for us, not quite in the budget to, to go up there and get the hotel Hello. stay and stuff. Welcome to so, Disneyland. But I do plan one year to go and check we it out because I want to see it maybe as Walt saw it just a little bit. Because he must have loved the 4th of July and Marceline to, to be inspired is by it to, 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 to do it this way. Um, oh, yeah. And, of course, Suddenly as we, come uh, into we do this find fair, some influences in Coke Corner. Uh, which I have found, of course, what the the real Coke Corner is. They this was kind of a discovery they made in Marceline was they were um, tearing around on a building. Uh, it turns out that there there was an extra wall had been built outside on a from a wall, and they tore out the extra walls that got to the wall underneath and found a faded Coca Cola sign that was actually on the corner of a building that did remind them it was this old jewelry store and it did remind them actually in Disneyland of the building that's there. And yeah. so they realized this is the real Coke Corner. And so they, they got somebody from Coca-Cola to come out and repaint the sign on there. I've got a photo of it. And so we know why there is Coke Corner, because there really is a Coke Corner. And, uh, of course, in the other Marceline influence you're going to mainly find is a mannequin named Tilly that's sitting in a ticket thing at the movie theater. 
Uh, with a name tag, identifying her home as Marceline. And, of course, that was part of the Marceline influence. The, there was a theater, an emporium. Uh, I mean, it's, a lot of the shops that were there were based on the idea of an existing Marceline. But that's not quite where it got the look. No, not quite. In fact, while Marceline served as the inspiration, the visual side of Main Street came from Harper Goff's youth in Fort Collins, Colorado. Now, it's amazing. You can take a look at uh, pictures of some of the older buildings in Fort Collins and place them side by side next to the buildings you'll find on Main Street. And with very few differences, you'll see it's almost the exact same building, same type of uh, structure work, the same type of architecture. It's really amazing. Uh, We've got the Emporium uh, that is similar. You've got the fire station. You've got City Hall. Uh, several buildings there on Main Street have our echoes of architecture that you'll find in Fort Collins. Yeah, and uh, Harper Goff must have loved his hometown the way he re- really recollected it. And yeah, I've looked at some pictures online, and I really want to visit Fort Collins just because of the architecture. Yeah, I'm in Denver this weekend, and if I had any way to do it, I'd be heading up the road to Fort Collins. Not in the carts this time, but maybe another trip. Yep. So, well, you know, I've gone to Colorado a lot of times. Maybe I just need to schedule some time and go and check it out. I've probably been through it, and I just never, you know, stopped that I can recollect. I -hmm. probably have. But uh, each Main Street, USA, well, except for Tokyo and Shanghai, has a train station. And of course, this is, you know, obviously you have to have a train station because Disney, Walt Disney loved trains. And oh, yeah. one of the big features of Marceline was there's a train station right there, which has now become a museum. But they, they do have a section about the, the railroad being there so you can learn about the railroad. But those trains would go right past town and Walt would used to come out there and he'd watch the trains go by. He just loved it and mm-hmm. it nurtured that love of trains. And so you have a train that... When you walk in to a Disney park, you're going to see the Flower Garden. Uh, I think there's a name for it, uh, which is, uh, I did find out, is actually the most frequently photographed. People love taking mm-hmm. pictures of it. It's usually a, a Mickey head of some sort. The uh, Mickey and Floral. The Mickey Floral, which, of course, they have that because every cartoon starts with Mickey's head. And so you're walking yep. into a cartoon world. Uh, but right above you will be a train station. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I haven't actually ridden the train. I uh, think about it. Walt Disney World, I don't think we got on the train. Well, we rode a little bit of it, but I don't think we rode the entire loop. I don't think I got to go past the train station. Um, hmm. I don't recall. I remember riding the train for at least a little bit. So, I, okay, that's that, that's on my to-do list. Next time <laughs> I'm in Disney Park, we're taking the whole loop. We're riding that train. Well, that that is one of the great things about the Disney Parks, is you can take that Grand Circle tour yeah. and leave Main Street, go through the world of adventure, Stop in the frontier, stop in Fantasyland, visit the future, and after you leave the future, you go directly to the old, uh, the Cretaceous period. <laughs> <laughs> Dinosaurs uh, roaming the earth. What I was say, yeah, and you you get uh, several experiences taking that Grand Circle tour, but you know what? There is just nothing quite as relaxing as taking that trip, and I'm sure for Walt. You know, Disneyland really was just a great big train set for him. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of is. 
Um, now, while, while we're talking about entering the park, you know, one of the things you'll notice is, you know, on these parks that have got the entrances, you have to walk through some arches underneath the train mm-hmm. tracks. You know, the great thing about these arches is they act kind of like a rising curtain uh, before this experience that you're about to have. You walk through it. You see, you know, in essence, this curtain rises and you walk on to Main Street, USA. You walk a little bit further and the buildings reveal the castle down at the end of Main Street. Yep. You know, it's opening up a little bit at a time and, you know, getting you prepped and ready for what's around the next corner. Yeah, and it, it really is that, that oh, golly, I remember Walt Disney World stepping out on a main street. Of course, the, the main thing was, oh my gosh, there's a parade. You know, so mm-hmm. we kind of stopped and we watched the celebrated dream come true parade come down as it was just coming down as we went in. But I remember stepping out on the main street and then looking off in the distance and there was, I guess that's Cinderella castle there, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Seeing the castle, which, you know, I'd seen photos, I'd seen video, but seeing it in person with the crane over time, getting the fireworks ready. <laughs> <laughs> was uh, it was a sight, and, and Main Street just seemed to go on forever until you saw this castle. Well, I think we probably ought to take a moment to help our listeners who may not be familiar with the layout of the parks know, you know how Main Street is set up. As yeah. you come through those arches, you actually enter what is called Town Square. Yep. Shaped a little bit more like a triangle, but what have you. Uh, at Town Square, you'll usually have the flagpole. Um, there's band concerts that take place there. Uh, then you have Main Street proper itself, which heads down to the castle. And then immediately in front of the castle, you have the hub, uh, which is where uh, you can disperse to the different lands of the kingdom that you're in. Oh, yeah. You can really you can get to about anywhere pretty quickly. Um, although, I think there's like... Well, I, it's basically a circle... But uh, mostly from the hub, I think you can branch off to most areas. Because if you go, like at Walt Disney World, if you go through the castle, you're in Fantasyland. You mm-hmm. go to your left, you're in Adventureland. If you go to your right, you're in Tomorrowland. I think the only thing you can't get to directly from the hub is like um, uh, Liberty Square and stuff over there. I think you do have to kind of circle around to get over there. Um, and there is a frontier land, which I don't think there was a thing from the hub to get over that either. I think I, we had to get th- go through Adventureland, but you can get through some pretty good portions. And if you go through Fantasyland, you can find yourself over ready to get into like Frontierland and Liberty Square right from Fantasyland. If, if, if I'm remembering this properly. Oh yeah. Well, the original concept of Disneyland was that you would have to use the hub to access any of the different lands. There was no way to get directly from one land to the other for many years. Um, of course, at Disneyland now. Uh, you have access to Adventureland, Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Tomorrowland. And you've got to go through those lands to get to, say, Tomor- uh, Toontown uh, or to New Orleans Square and even further back to uh, Critter Country. And, of course, with uh, Star Wars Land coming, you'll have to go even further back. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, since the 1970s, these lands have all been connected uh, so that you can, you know, Go through Adventureland, wind your way through Frontierland, go behind Big Thunder Mountain, uh, Fantasyland, and end up over in Tomorrowland without coming back to the hub. But still, the hub concept is uh, really unique for what Disney had at the time yeah. uh, because it had that central location where you could control your crowds and have them you know, come and go, but everyone still had to come back there to leave at the end of their day. And you had basically the big weenie in the middle, as basically the weenie was the hot dog that was the special thing that Walt Disney would say. And but that looks more like a castle than a hot yeah. dog. Yeah, 
that was the weenie. It was the big attraction. We're right in the middle. It's a big castle. And, of course, since we're talking about Main Street, like I said, the view down Main Street to see that castle is really, it's something. And it is like stepping into another world. Well, you know, they use uh, perspective in a very unique way mm-hmm. along Main Street. Uh, they've made the buildings at the hub end a little bit smaller and the buildings at the town square end a little bit bigger. Yep. So as you're looking, it looks like it's further away than it is if you're walking from uh, town square to the hub, giving you a longer distance. Whereas if you're returning back, going from the hub to town square, it looks like everything's a lot closer than what it may actually be. Uh, of course, force perspective is used in all different areas of the parks, but it's used to great effect there. Yeah, and that's one of the things is that I didn't know about the force perspective being used, but uh, I remember when I was there, it's like, wow, the castle seems so far away. But I remember when we were leaving the park at the end of the night and we were tired, it's like, oh, well, it won't take us too long to get over to the entrance. I noticed I did have that sense. But I didn't realize that they were they were tricking my mind because their oh, engineers yeah. are clever that way. Well, you know, another great thing about Main Street, though, is that, you know, we've talked about the rising curtain. We've talked mm-hmm. about being attracted to the weenie. Yeah. Um, but did you also know that there are credits along Main Street? Yes, uh, which we, we neglected to mention that Town Square also has a city hall with guest relations, which is pretty cool. And they do have somebody who is like the acting mayor. But yes, there's credits of Imagineers. Uh, I think there's a few Disney legends, but there's fictional businesses uh, along the side. And they will mention maybe the business owner or maybe the name of the business will have something to do with it. Uh, I have some specific names of the ones of Walt Disney World, which we'll get into later. Uh, mm-hmm. But I didn't, I, I'm sure there's a list. I should have looked for a list of all the oh, yeah. particular well, names. At both Disneyland and Disney World, uh, there's a window uh, advertising a contractor by the name of Elias Disney. Ta da! Walt's father, who was a contractor in real life. Uh, You'll find a theatrical agency, which is owned by one Wally Bogue, who produces golden vaudeville routines. Uh, You may also see... uh, Was uh, Wally Bogue the one at the the Golden Horseshoe Review, the comedian? Yes. That's what I thought. Another window you'll find for exotic art... Uh, by Mark Davis, one of Disney's animators and one of the peop- one of the Imagineers who brought Disneyland to life. Uh, one of my favorites is for the Sherman Brothers uh, on Disneyland's Main Street, which advertises the the uh, songwriting team. <laughs> of course. And then of Ironworks apparently gets something for cameras. Uh, have you seen that one? Yes, um, and it's a stereoscopic camera shop. Now, one thing about Ub, while he was very instrumental in uh, the animation uh, beginnings of the Disney Company, he also developed many special effects technologies, which are still in effect today. And, of course, a lot of that was using camera trickery and you know, being able to manipulate the images in front of the camera to come up with these expressive vistas and you know, to use the social screen at the time to you know uh, layer in different effects uh, was awesome <laughs> oh definitely <laughs> now this is something I found to be very interesting and I don't know if how well I guess there was a lot of crowd noise when I was at Walt Disney World so I didn't really get a chance to listen but apparently if you listen closely you can actually hear some conversations coming from the windows along side streets including a dentist appointment gone wrong yes very much so Dr. Betts 
Now, an- another great thing about Main Street is you will, you know, if you go into, well, what used to be the Market House Pantry, uh, which is now a Starbucks, you'll find a couple of old phones along the wall. If you pick up and listen, you're actually getting involved in a party line uh, <laughs> from the turn of the century, uh, talking about different dress sizes or just getting stuff from the general store. You know, a lot of these little hidden audio gems all over. You know, it's not just the music of Main Street, but you actually get involved in this community that this is a Main Street for. Ah, you know, I need to find a copy of the audio of that party line because that's fun. I've, I've heard it on other shows before. It must be out there somewhere. Uh, we'll have a discussion afterwards. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and if we happen to get it, we might be playing it in the show. So if you hear it, then I've got it. But if you don't hear it, then I just didn't have time or I didn't get it. <laughs> But yeah, the, oh my goodness, this is just so funny. I, I don't think I've ever heard audio of this dentist appointment, though. I, that must be, I, is that a Disneyland exclusive thing? I don't know if it's exclusive to Disneyland, but the, it's definitely there. Yeah, so I, I guess you've gotten to hear it before then. Oh yes, oh yes. Uh, there's also a uh, haircutting or a barber shop that you can mm-hmm. hear. And um, it's very popular to get the baby's first haircut there. Although you really, I I think they're working on trying to get the appointments to run a little better. They've been having some problems with that. Oh, I was talking about audio of a haircut. Oh! But yes, you're right. On Main Street at Disney World, not at Disneyland, you do have the barbershop. And, you know, it is a tradition for families to have their child's first haircut to take place there. Which would be really awesome. Uh, Really expensive, apparently. But, you know, I, I, I would be down for that. Now, uh, one unique thing about Disneyland's Main Street is, of course, it was the prototype. It was the first time anything like this had happened. Uh, If you head down Main Street, you'll see that there is a street on your right, which is labeled as Flower Street. Right now, there's a uh, cart selling snacks and popcorn and uh, no, not popcorn, but uh, like chips and uh, some drinks and pickles and uh, pineapple spears. But there used to be a... Yes, pineapple spears. Holy cow, that sounds awesome. Yes. Uh, But in the past, uh, there used to be a uh, plastic flower shop, which took place there, which led to its name as Flower Street. Well, if you keep going back to along Flower Street, uh, at the end of it, uh, you've got a locker rental area and you've got a uh, water fountain. Well, if you look at the water fountain and look at the wall that it's next, you'll see it's comprised of bricks. The right side, although the bricks are uniform in shape and nicely placed in an orderly fashion, the left side, however, the bricks are a little abnormal, a little bit more handcrafted look, if you will, as to how they were placed and set up. And this wall was actually used as a test wall as they were building Main Street to try and figure out what would look better, orderly or handmade. Uh, and this is a little relic that has, you know, was just used for test purposes, which has lasted 60 plus years now and is still featured on Main Street. Yeah, I guess it's now it's just a traditional, just bit of fun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's yeah. like, just keep it. Well, uh, and, you know, you have to really be looking at it to recognize it for what it is. Yeah. But here's something cool. And I don't know if they're using this still with some of these new projection things. They but- are. 
Oh, awesome. But the, the Light Magic Parade in 1998, all the Main Street buildings were actually wired with fiber optics to, to complement some of the action of the parade. I, I have never seen this, but I can only imagine all the, cause I love fiber optic light stuff. I have a, a, a little, um, like a, a church in a tree or whatever that I got from my grandmother where the, the colors change and the fiber optics and it's just wonderful and I can only imagine lighting up Main Street and fiber optics all the different stuff you could do wow mm-hmm. oh and, and it is still being used it was used uh, a lot during the um, and now I'm suddenly blanking out Paint the Night the, probably used it oh definitely the Paint wow. the Night as well as Sensational used it uh, uses it quite a bit as well uh, for their nighttime showings. Uh, it's it's really incredible to see you know these buildings come to life using that technology and and certainly you know it's changed as well with the projection technology that they have now. But still seeing these little twinkling lights appear out of nowhere is still it's just so amazing. Ah oh, yes. Well now oh I'm sorry I interrupted. Nope nope I was. <laughs> I was finding my place. I just realized we were about to have some repeat information, so I was editing as we go. But yep, <laughs> not a problem. You know, how many feet do you think travel down Main Street on any given day? A lot of people. And I tell you what, uh, I, when you're on your feet, I'm mainly in Animal Kingdom, it killed my feet. By the time mm-hmm. we got to Epcot, I was in agony. Well, you know, when Disneyland first opened, they had just poured the concrete for Main Street. Yes, the uh, ladies' heels were getting stuck. Exactly. That's not the case anymore, though. Uh, They now have resilient asphalt, uh, which I can only assume means that it's that rubberized asphalt that uh, they're using on roads now uh, to help take some of the shock and absorb some of the, you know, up and down uh, that you get as you're walking down that street. Yeah. And I've noticed in different lands, uh, at least at Walt Disney World, it seemed like the ground was different in each one because even the ground is themed. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, definitely! Very, very cool. You know, don't, don't, don't get me on what the brown stream through. Yeah, uh, look that up. Liberty Google it. Square means. <laughs> Google it, folks. Google it. Uh, you'll learn some history, but you might never want to step on the brown stones again. <laughs> you know, but Main Street's also been used for events. Um, we know that they've had a whole red carpet going down the length of Main Street when they've had the Pirates of the Caribbean movie premieres at Disneyland. You know, after um, I'm blanking out on his first name, after Phelps won his uh, Olympic medals at the Beijing Olympics, they actually built an Olympic-sized pool running down the length of Main Street. And, you know, overhead shots, you can see that, you know, the word Disneyland is printed at the bottom of this pool. I actually got to see them building a part of that. Wow. So it's, it's, it's you know, <laughs> interesting how they've utilized their space. There even was, uh, back in the 80s, they had uh, state fair days and um, in which they had events happening over Main Street, like uh, trapeze acts and high wire acts. Um, you know, Main Street's been a focus for a lot of the celebrations. It used to be that in the hub was where the grand prize machine was for the 30th anniversary of Disneyland, where every seventh person was able to, you know, try and win a prize. Hmm. Also, of course, now this is some of this, uh, the Disney fans are going to know about this, but okay, Town Square, Disneyland, there's a firehouse right above the firehouse. 
Walt Disney had a personal apartment. It was completely furnished, but it was off limits to the public. And he had a lamp that when he was in the park, he would keep it on. And now they just keep it on all the time to say that Walt is completely in the park. Uh, but around Christmas time, they put a tenon balm or a Christmas tree to replace a lamp. And, of course, they decorate it for Halloween and Christmas. But one of the really best-kept secrets is that there's actually a veranda that stretches between Walt's apartment and City Hall. And this yeah. is an out-of-sight parade viewing area for any like celebrities or very important peoples and stuff that are wanting to view the parade out of the general public so they're not being interfered with. If you're familiar with Disneyland, that space between City Hall and the Firehouse is comprised of restrooms. This is the roof of the restrooms. <laughs> so, yeah, you get a private viewing area there, celebrity, but you're going to be over the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, we talked a little bit about Christmas. Right. At Christmas time, they erect a 60-foot tall Christmas tree. Yeah, 16-foot. You almost sound like you said 60. <laughs> That'd be a really big tree. Christmas, no, Christmas tree, yes. It's 60, 60. Wow. Okay, it so the things I found huge. said 16 feet. Huh. Now, oh, 60-foot high jack-o'-lantern. I'm looking yes. at the notes wrong. So 60-foot <laughs> tall Christmas tree, 16-foot high Mickey Mouse jack-o'-lantern on Halloween. Okay. Yeah. And and that's all in uh, on in Town Square. Uh, at the hub, of course, we have the partner statue of Walt Disney holding Mickey's hand and pointing towards the future. Uh, and not surrounding holding a cigarette. The, <laughs> no. <laughs> and and surrounding this statue are smaller statues of uh, Minnie Mouse, Donald Duck, the White Rabbit, Chip and Dale, Goofy. I think some um, of the dwarves are out there. Pinocchio. Yeah. Uh, actually, the dwarves are in another area. Oh, that's right. They're the in like, the topiary, aren't they? Uh, well, I'm, no, I'm thinking Walt Disney topiary. World, I guess. So there's a topiary of Snow White and Seven Dwarves, but in Disneyland, you actually do have statues. Yes, uh, there with is a wishing well, right. uh, which you got to go off a little path to get to it. Uh, and you, lately, they've been using it for meet and greets with Aurora or Snow White. However... When you're at the Swishing Well, if you look over to the uh, right of the castle, you'll see a waterfall with Snow White and all seven dwarves, including Grumpy and his Rumpy. Yeah, and the fun thing is all the statues are actually the same size, but with forced perspective, Snow White is further away and seems bigger. Yep. That's so clever. I love it. <laughs> Oh, but that partner statue uh, was sculpted by Blaine Gibson and was added in 1993, which I find interesting because you, you generally, as being a Disney fan, you think of that partner statue as just being part of it, but Walt didn't really like having images of himself. No, so the, no, so they, they actually had to come back and do something later after he was gone and say, you know what, we need to put something in. And the mm -hmm. partner statue, I think the original one is actually at the Walt Disney Studios. Yes. And they've, they've made replicas at, at the Disney parks, uh, which I'm pretty sure if we have one in both Disneyland and Walt Disney World, they probably have them at some of the overseas parks as well, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh yes, yes, they do. It seems you know, like the, you have to. <laughs> now, one thing about this statue, it I'll tell you, at the end of a great day at the park, it's awfully tempting to walk up to it and just say, thanks, Walt. Yeah, and I hear people do that when walking past the uh, apartment, too. When they're leaving the park, they wave to the lamp and say, thanks, Walt. Some people in this conversation do that. 
I'm sure you do. <laughs> I I have not been to Disneyland, but believe me, I'm going to do that, and I, I, I may have a little tear in my eye at the same time. Who knows? Well, one place that you really ought to visit while you're at Disneyland is the Main Street Opera House. Now, this happens to be the oldest building in Disneyland. It was the first uh, building constructed because they needed a lumber mill. (laughs) Which is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, the Main Street Opera House did serve as a li- uh, for a little while as a, uh, well, it actually didn't have much going on in it once Disneyland was completed, until the mid-60s when a president moved in. Huh. Oh, now, yeah, like Abe Lincoln, I guess? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, also, uh, part of the uh, Opera House uh, facility, there is a, a, a former Bank of America that's there. One interesting thing about this Bank of America is, well, what days of the week are banks usually open? Or not open, rather. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday, although my bank is now open early Saturday morning, and I think they're <laughs> starting to be open on Sundays now, too. So, yep. For <laughs> many years, that was the only bank that was open on a Sunday. <laughs> well, because they want you to be able to get your money so you can spend it in the park. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. You know, that that uh, The bank is now the Disneyana shop, uh, which sells exclusive items, uh, very high-end items. But that uh, facility uh, between both that and the Abraham Lincoln Theater also hosts a rotating museum and gallery uh, showcasing pieces of Disneyland history. Um, some days you can walk in and you'll see concept art for Pirates of the Caribbean or for the Casey Jr. Other times you might walk in and they might have the animatronic of the uh, groundskeeper from the Haunted Mansion right there. Cool. So you actually can get a lot of interesting history. It made me think of the Emporium where you can go in and find all these uh, pieces of artwork and stuff and and Disney history to buy that will Mm -hmm. cost you a fortune. Yes. (laughs) But while you're on Main Street, uh, this is actually, I I find this to be very, very cool. This is something I didn't, I don't know that I really noticed, but this is, I guess, in Disneyland and maybe not Walt Disney World, because Walt Disney World, I know Main Street's a little bigger. But uh, it, it, it is there at Disney World as well. Okay, but there is some scents that they put out, but around the holidays, they get to put gingerbread out into the air. Most mm-hmm. of the times, though, you're probably going to smell vanilla. Either way, they're making you hungry for the treats. And guess where you can buy some, I don't know, vanilla ice cream, some cookies, <laughs> some gingerbread cookies, right there on Main Street. Well, and it's not just that they're pumping out the scent. You can actually see cast members inside creating these treats. <laughs> right. They're making yeah, the treats, waft the smell out into the street. <laughs> Yeah, one, one, one tradition that a lot of people uh, try to take advantage of is every Christmas season, you can go and you can watch them make candy canes. Yeah, I'd love to do that, but I really shouldn't eat the things. But uh, other times of the year, you'll see them making uh, marshmallow treats uh, where they uh, put marshmallows on a stick, dip them in chocolate, and decorate them. Uh, you'll also see them making turtles, uh, you know, those uh, caramel, chocolate, and pecan treats. Yes, uh, and they are not teenagers, nor are they ninjas. No. <laughs> but uh, certainly, a lot of treats are made there that they uh, package and sell right there. Oh, you know what? They, they could probably make an entire market if they actually sold those in candy stores around the world as well. That's what licensing is for. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which licensing, oh, you know, I'd love for them to actually license out some sort of a miniature of this. 
Uh, but uh, the the Grand Canyon diorama, which is actually the I, I don't know if it's still the largest, but when it was put in, it was the largest, and it was part of we we talked about this a little bit before, so I'm going to go over this real quick. Uh, but part of the Disneyland Railroad, the, this is the Grand Canyon that becomes the Cretaceous period, but it's 306 feet long and 34 feet tall and covered in 300 gallons of paint. And uh, oh, I actually have a quote here, or they talk about Kay Mallins, who I've talked to before. She's been on the show, uh, curator of the Disney Hometown Museum. She actually said to the St. Louis Post-Dispatch back in 2012, I do not think it is a coincidence that a train station was the first thing people passed at Disneyland when it opened. Walt loved trains. Mm-hmm. And having a diorama along it, and I, you know, with uh, you said earlier, it's like the whole thing is a train set. And I've seen some miniature stuff. I would love to see like a of a train set that even has the diorama hidden in it somewhere. That would be kind yeah. of, I don't know. I just think that would be kind of cool because I, I don't yep. know where it's actually placed. I know it's there, yep. and if you do the whole, whole loop, you get to go through it, but I don't know where they hit that diorama. Oh, well, I can easily answer that for you. It is between the Tomorrowland Station and the Main Street Station. Um, it's, uh, but is it, is it a building or, a, or like a ca- It I mean, is a building. It is a building. Once you're inside the building, you'll realize that it does not extend too far out in front of you. I'd say maybe 20 feet tops. But the way that the diorama is designed, you know, you've got uh, elements that are up close in front of you, rock work, uh, stuffed animals, and painted on the wall is the Grand Canyon itself, complete with a wonderful sunset. Um, you see it through the seasons. Um, you know, you start in the summer and end in the winter. Uh, you'll also find uh, Native American, you know, what appears to be a Native American structure having huh. been built there as well. So yeah, it's it's not really all that wide once you're in it. However, when you move on into the primeval world. Uh, there's a little bit more room there to accommodate the animatronic dinosaurs. And so now the building that this is all in, is it like a Main Street style building? I mean, I guess it's kind of on the in-between. Oh, no, but... no uh, there's there's no theming on the exterior of the building because no guests are not looking at these buildings. Uh, basically, if, if you were to have a top-down view of Disneyland... Um, these buildings are being blocked by Space Mountain and the backstage area of uh, between Tomorrowland and Main Street. So you're actually kind of going a little bit outside of the usual park area when you're going through this, then. Oh yeah, I mean you're you you actually enter into the buildings. Huh. So okay. See, I'd always like wondered about in, that. As you enter, it looks like you're entering a cave. Mm-hmm. And as you're coming out, you're looking the other direction. So I've never noticed what it looks like when you come out. Huh. Yes, I, I would always was curious, like you know, because where do you where do you hide this sort of a thing to not ruin the illusion of Main Street as you're coming out of it and pulling into the Main Street station there? Yeah. And and honestly, uh, as you're standing on Main Street, you cannot see anything related to it at all. <laughs> yeah, because again, your the train is up about 15 feet above you yeah. on the berm. And uh, all there's a bunch of foliage, trees, bushes, and whatnot on that area of the park, so you really can't see more than a few feet down the track. Hmm. Well, that that'll make it harder to find those fourteen hidden Mickey's that uh, that I found listed. Although <laughs> there could be more than fourteen by now, because the article I found that said there was fourteen hidden Mickey's on Main Street was a while back, and you know they're always sneaking stuff in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there certainly could be more. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, um, talking about Walt Disney World, there are a few stylistic differences. Uh, Walt Disney World's Main Street actually takes more influences uh, from New England and Missouri, and it's most noticeable in the Four Corners area in the middle of Main Street, where you have four corner buildings, each representing a different architectural style. And while Disneyland has the Opera House being the very first building constructed there, there is no Opera House uh, on Walt Disney World. Instead, they have the Exposition Hall, um, which is the home to a meet-and-greet with Magician Mickey. Now, one other difference, um, there are a lot more shops at the Walt Disney World oh, Main Street. Yes. That was, fact, they, <laughs> that was what I noticed when we were leaving. Like, I feel like we're leaving and they're trying to get us to buy everything. And for your shopping convenience, all stores will remain open after closing of the park. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> now, um, you know, one thing to keep in mind also is, you know, at Disneyland, we've got two streets that branch off of uh, Main Street. At Disney World, there's only one that branches off because they walled up the other street and made it all shops. Yeah, and I, I kind of remember there was that that little that four corner section and everything. I remember looking down that way. Um, I think if you if you take one of those directions, it might take you over to Tomorrowland, but I don't remember. Well, I haven't been to Disney World, so I'm. I'm speak trying to, to remember that. if that was an extra way or if it did eventually come to a head. Because I remember it was all shops, and I remember being in the Four Corners section. Uh, because you would cross that, and then the Emporium, on your way out, the Emporium would be on your left. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, I think that, because I'm thinking we might have... Because I know from the hub, I think you can get to most places. Maybe the hub went over into Liberty Square, but then if you went to Tomorrowland, maybe it was from here. Because I am I might be remembering this wrong, and somebody will correct me. But I'm thinking maybe when we went to the right from the entrance that's where I think you eventually would see Tomorrowland and the Stitch's Great Escape was right there but I might be remembering this wrong because I was only there once I'm just saying again I I couldn't educate you on that one Well, you know, I, I've only been once, and it may have even been changed since then because you know that I was there before they did the uh, upgrades or the Fantasy Fair uh, over in Disneyland, and then they did it all in Walt Disney World and added in uh, the, the circus area and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's been changed a lot. Oh yeah. Now, did you happen to notice the decor in the buildings on Main Street? Very 20th century. In fact, it really reminded me of uh, Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, yeah, and it, that was very deliberate. Again, uh, the exterior of the buildings are representing turn-of-the-century America. Why not the interiors? Sure. And even, oh my goodness, they have a, for the theater where you can go inside, there's a shop, but they have a thing where they were showing like some of the old classic Mickey cartoons like Steamboat Willie and stuff with this old kind of cool theater settings. Oh, it's mm-hmm. really neat on the inside. Oh, yeah, and it's still a theater at Disneyland. You can walk in, and there's a podium where you can stand there, and you can see six different Mickey Mouse shorts, uh, black and white shorts playing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to jump ahead on some of the notes we have because we've kind of covered some of this, but uh, we were mentioned that there are there are names also at Walt Disney World on the windows, mm-hmm. and I found my list. And we're running a little short on time, so. But we have Seven Summits Expeditions with Frank G. Wells, president. Uh, I don't know what exactly what his connection is. Does that ring any bells to you? 
Yeah, he was the CEO uh, or the president of Walt Disney Productions with Michael Eisner being the CEO. And uh, Frank Wells was a, an explorer. He especially loved mountain climbing. And unfortunately, he tragically lost his life um, in a helicopter accident. And this is one of the ways that they uh, were able to pay tribute to him in Walt Disney World. Uh, in Disneyland, he's actually... You know, it might not be there anymore, but in the Matterhorn, there's a little tribute set up for him there, again, because of his uh, experience climbing mountains. Right. And uh, I don't have a complete list of him here that I thought I did, but I know I've, you know, I've met some Disney legends that uh, worked at, you know, they were part of, uh, what do they call it, Club 55, because they were some original employees, mm-hmm. like Tom uh, Nabby, I think it was, uh, but mm-hmm. he's got his window there from retiring from Walt Disney World and some of the other ones. So you have a lot of just even cast members that you know, spend a career there that have windows up there, and they've made a really big presentation. It's very, very cool. Uh, but in addition to these partner statue in front of the Cinderella Castle, there's also what they call the Sharing the Magic statue, and this is Roy E. Disney sitting on a bench with Minnie Mouse. And you can actually go, it's near the Central Hub, you can sit down in between Roy Disney and Minnie Mouse and get a photo taken, which uh, I don't have a photo of me there, but I do have a photo of my friend Josh sitting in there that I took. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and, and again, that's only at uh, Walt Disney, Disney World. World. Right. Uh, I believe they've also got one in Paris, but I'm not sure if that's at Magic Kingdom there or at uh, the Studios Park there. But, and they also have one at the uh, Disney Studios in Burbank. Very cool. Uh, but while you're on the street, uh, you know, we'll just jump in ahead here to you know to make sure you check out the Dapper Dance, which I actually didn't see them performing there, but they've been on oh. Main Street USA since 1959 in Disneyland. And but they're I, still singing. And they're still singing, but I, I didn't come across them. Uh, I also didn't come across them. Walt Disney World, I think, has this, but uh, I know in Disneyland they have the old ragtime piano man over there, which uh, doesn't he play over on Coke Corner? Yes, uh, he he plays uh, the piano is set up right there at the corner. A player comes out oh, every couple of hours or so, and you can listen and participate. Uh, in fact, they even have some characters that come out and interact during the player piano part. Uh, also, the Dapper Dance will sometimes uh, sing with the ragtime piano as well. Well, see, now that would be cool. I mean, they could write a whole album of that, really. And I would be happy to, to hear it, you know, just hearing the Dapper Dance singing with a ragtime piano. Oh, yeah. that would be fantastic. Uh, we do have some audio, though, to share. Uh, I, I do want to do throw out a little quick little bit of information that there was. I don't know if the Magic Shop is even still there, but it there is. was the Main it Street is. Magic Shop where Steve Martin apparently once worked there in yeah. Disneyland. Uh, there's some other ones that have been open since the, since the opening day. There's the City Hall, the Emporium, the Penny Arcade, the Main Street Cinema. That was the, mo- the movie theater. Uh, the Fire mm-hmm. Department and the Candy Palace opened on July 22nd of 1955. And the original plans actually included a haunted house that was going to be on Main Street, but eventually that did become the Haunted Mansion a little further off, yeah. uh, which I think there was even some story they had planned for the connecting it to Main Street. Oh, yeah. Um, it was that there was always, you know, on every Main Street, there's always that creepy old house, which might be haunted. Ooh, and maybe there's room for one more. Could be. You know, and one of my favorite uh, factoids about Main Street, at least as far as Disneyland is concerned, when I was uh, a teenager and really starting to get really involved in everything Disneyland, 
in my grandmother's home, I found a map from the 1960s, which listed the Haunted Mansion and New Orleans Square as a coming attraction. It wasn't built yet. But it also showed coming off of Main Street a couple of side streets, one of which was Edison Square and Liberty Street. These never came to fruition at Disneyland, but I'll tell you, there was going to be more to Main Street than just Main Street. Now, Walt Disney World did get a Liberty Square, though, where you mm-hmm. do have a replica, a replica of the courthouse in Philadelphia where the Constitution was signed. And I believe even the Declaration of Independence was signed in there as well. I, I've actually yes. visited the real location, uh, and it's really cool. And that's actually where the Hall of Presidents is. And that's mm-hmm. also where you're going to find the Brownstone Streets, which we won't discuss why it's Brownstone. But you'll also <laughs> find the Muppets there now, too. Yes! I totally want to go down and see the Muppets because they're doing some American history. And it's a great tribute to the founding of our country, which guess what? Independence Day, July 4th. See how we've come full circle? There we go. See, it's like we plan these things. <laughs> See, we know what we're doing when we don't mess up. See? <laughs> but uh, we're really running short on time, and I do have some audio I really want to share. So we're going to close the show out with some really cool audio of Walt Disney giving a tour of Main Street. Also, there's special audio for the vision-impaired guests that they can listen to, which also gives a tour of Main Street. So I'm going to play those for you, and then we'll close out the show. And thank you, for, of course, very much for coming along with us and sharing some fun of talking about Main Street. And I hope you have a fantastic fourth. And Eric will say goodbye to you in his own way. I'll say goodbye to you in my own way. There you go. Say goodnight, Eric. Good night, Eric. <laughs> I know it's terrible, but we had to do that joke because we've never gotten to do that joke before. <laughs> Welcome to Disneyland. We have dedicated this happy place to the ideals, 
the dreams and the hard facts that have created America. This dedication is engraved on a plaque at the foot of the flagpole in the Disneyland Town Square. Suddenly as we come into this square, the cares and worries of today are left behind and we find ourselves in a little town in the year 1900. On one hand is the city hall and on the other is the fire station. Down Main Street we see the Emporium and all the many shops. There is the old music store, the Penny Arcade with its blaring orchestrion, the Popcorn Man and the old Calliope. At the end of the street the marching band appears in full regalia. But let's take the horse-drawn streetcar and ride down Main Street. Yeah.
Welcome to Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. We're pleased that you've chosen to visit us, and we hope this tape will make your visit an even more enjoyable one. My name is Jack, and it's my pleasure to be your host. Before you begin your journey, a few words about Disneyland in general. Disneyland is a first and original. Since the day it opened in 1955, more than 100 million people have come here from the four corners of the earth to participate in adventures unique in all the world. Here, tomorrow is today, and yesterday is forever. Within the thematic realms of Disneyland are wonders of every shape and description, medieval castles and rocket ships of the future, explorer canoes and streamlined monorail trains, snow-capped mountains and colorful deserts, jungle elephants and flying elephants. All in all, Disneyland is over 50 major adventures and attractions showcased in seven different lands or realms. Adventureland, Frontierland, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, New Orleans Square, Bear Country, and the land you presently are in, Main Street, USA. A land of warm, welcoming colors and old-fashioned Victorian-styled buildings, Main Street, USA is the first land to greet visitors to the happiest place on earth. Here, in an atmosphere of turn-of-the-century America, you can answer alarms in 1900-era fire engines, putter around in 1903 vintage automobiles with fringed canvas tops, enjoy riding open-air double-deck buses of the type used in major cities at the beginning of the century, or experience the fun of riding a real horse-drawn streetcar. Here, too, is a land wherein the sounds themselves convince one that the past indeed lives again. The rich harmonies of barbershop quartets, the bright-spirited rhythms of marching bands, the easy-listening melodies of town square concerts, and certainly most memorable of all, the hiss, chug, and puff of the old-fashioned iron horse and the station master's accompanying cries of bored. Main Street is also the home of the Walt Disney Story, a stirring, free attraction offering rare film footage showing the art of animation. Priceless memorabilia, nostalgic photographs and awards, skillfully displayed in a fitting tribute to the life and accomplishment of Walt Disney. This attraction is climaxed by Walt Disney's greatest audio animatronic achievement, Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln, which highlights numerous speeches of the great emancipator. Of course, no Main Street, be it young or old, would be complete without a variety of shops, stores, and restaurants, and Disneyland certainly obliges. Here, as you walk the length of this memory-filled land, you'll enjoy listening for the bongs and pings of an old-fashioned penny arcade, the spoon-against-glass tinkle of the once-common ice cream parlor, and the rinky-tink melodies emanating from Coca-Cola's refreshment corner. Even your sense of smell will remind you of a bygone era, of a time when freshly squeezed orange juice was a commonplace refreshment, of a time when the old-fashioned candy store was one of the most frequented places in town, of a time when fresh, hot popcorn was a popular street-corner commodity. All this awaits you along Disneyland's Main Street, USA. Enjoy it and linger as long as you like. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others.
And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander. Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash Neverland Podcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true.